Yeah. What it do, world? Welcome to another episode of the Moss Talk Podcast. I am your host, Mr. JJ Moss, and I have the honor and the pleasure uh, to sit down with a brother that uh, I've basically been a fan of for a while now, man. And I feel like it's time for people to wake up, man. We're going into 2021, and uh, I feel like it's time for that independent rise to really take over. And I feel like he's one of those artists that's just doing the credit that he also deserves. Now, if you ever heard of the uh, project title called Walk the Line, either what is one, two, or three, then it's associated with this brother right here. Uh, you got... He got a hell of a catalog. Like, if y'all have not checked this catalog out, then y'all really sleeping, man. It's, and it's time for y'all to wake up. Uh, he has projects like No uh, no Exits. He got projects like The Vault, West Coasting, and a plethora of others. And we're going to uh, get and get into his new project that he got in plain sight that has been bumping, man. I've uh, been playing it for, like, the whole weekend, and I'm glad to have the honor and the pleasure. The honor and the pleasure to sit down and talk to him and chop it up right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Moss Talk Podcast, the one and only Jay Discreet. What's up, man? What's good, man? Uh, I love I love the intro, first off. I love the, the introduction, man. Uh, it really speaks to the fact you you actually kind of like been rocking with me. To be able to, to name the titles you name, that means you've been around for a while. Man, um, I want to say my first introduction to you it was early Facebook days, and I can't remember which project or which single it was, but I've always been someone to, once I just come up on someone's music, and if it's new to me, I do my research. I'm like, it, they had to release some stuff before I came across this, so I was like, I want to I I wanna hear their old stuff, like when they first begun and stuff like this. So, you know, that's yeah. how I went with you, and to see that you're an artist that's like, I don't like to use the word local. I like to say independently seasoned. And yeah. you're one of those artists, man. Just I'm, I'm loving the growth parts within the music and just seeing your your solid fan base react the way they do, especially with this in plain sight, man. So this is this is very exciting for me just to chop it up with you, man, on my platform. Uh, most definitely. I'm honored to be here. And it's exciting for me, too, like uh, the journey is. Oh man, so uh, we're gonna start from the the genesis, you know. So not, uh, before we get to the 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 Jay Discreet part, man, I want to know about a young James Cole growing up, man. Uh, your, your short time living in Chicago and you basically being back and forth from Chicago to Mississippi, like what kind of kid were you? Oh man, uh, for the most part, I always been outspoken, and uh, I kind of like. I've been I've been real big into reading real young. And you know, like uh that was part of it. Then, you know, again the, the short time in Chicago is really a long time because the pace is a lot faster. You have to you have to pick up on stuff really, really quick and really young. So it's a lot of uh unspoken rules, it's a lot of areas you gotta you gotta pay attention to where you're moving around it. And so that shaped me to pay attention to details, mm -hmm. which I think in turn, over time, really plays a, a factor in the way I create is because I create from my point of view, but I see a lot from my point of view because I pay attention to details. So, you know, and uh, I was I was going back and forth on the bus or, or with family. So I started riding the bus by myself really young. Again, all these things play a factor in me, like really being able to, like, watch my surroundings and just keep a, a mental note of things. You know what I'm saying? I had to keep up with my stuff because I was traveling by myself and I was young. So all of that tied into me becoming who I am. 
So right. would it be safe to say that you grew up fast? Oh, definitely. Very fast. Uh, and I also grew up in a single mother household. I'm the oldest of four in the household, and I'm the oldest of five total. So, like, I didn't get a lot of chance to, like, to not be attentive. I had to grow up. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I was the helpmate. Me and my mama, we best friends, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I had to learn a lot quick because I had people under me that was I was responsible for. So, yeah. Yeah, you had the young people under you for your siblings and probably little cousins, like, looking up to you, basically. Yeah, yeah, in a lot of cases, man. And uh, my, my my cousins, my close cousins that I, I'm close with in Mississippi, when I first moved here, like, we're around the same age group. But, you know, uh, they uh they lost their mother really young. And so it was a house full of men. So my, my male cousins, they was being raised by their dad. And they was on the fast track, too, because, you know, dad's just different. Like, you know, we, we, we real big on discipline. We real big on order. So, you know. As as men, we grew up learning a lot, like the man way, though. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that makes you you had to you had to pick up on stuff quick, like. Yeah, I feel you on that, man, because you you like especially what's going on with this day and age, and you kind of look at it far as from the future. It's like, man, if it's going on right now, while our young kids is like at this age, like I can't imagine how it's gonna be. 10, even five years from now. So you're just trying to put that knowledge in them that you had to learn the hard way. So you're trying to yeah. school them early. Yeah, man. And they teaching us too. We in the information age, man. Like my daughter's seven years old and she uh, she got to do virtual school and that. So she going to be way more adept at dealing with computers and electronics than I was at eight and nine because she ain't got no choice. You know what I'm saying? So I'm learning mm -hmm. from her too. Yeah, oh, man, I agree with that. I, I I completely agree with that. Like a lot of people feel like you can't learn anything far as from the younger generation. Like a lot of us feel like since we experience life more, we feel like we can't learn from them. Oh yes, we can. Trust oh, me, yeah. yes we can, man. Now, with you being a music head like me, it's always like, what was that? Uh, what was those type of artists that you were listening to that got you to the point that made you want to pick up the pen? Like, was it like, I'm because I'm, I can see from how you're deeply rooted for us with music, like, it's not only just rap music. I'm pretty sure your 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 playlist is far as shit from the 70s, old yeah. school, B, and stuff like that. I can see you have a very old soul, and it shows within your music, man. So, who was those artists that you were coming up listening to, whether they local or mainstream? Well, I'm gonna tell you something funny, so like. I grew up listening to blues and gospel first, cause that's my mom mm -hmm. blues and gospel. That's all she listened to. Mm -hmm. So that's what you had. That's what you had to hear when you was cleaning up the house on the weekends. <laughs> oh <stuff like> yes, <laughs> yeah. But what got me into writing and eventually led me into music was reading. So I was a, uh, I was real big on like it started with like, goosebump books and animal books, cause again like, I, I was really into that. And then I got into horror. I got into Stephen King. And uh, I started writing first, and then I got into R&B and I started singing. So like I actually used to do talent shows as a singer, and then my voice changed. And so you know, yeah, I got I, I hit the the puberty, and my voice changed, and it just wasn't fun singing no more. But I had been writing songs, so I got frustrated and I started writing poetry, and poetry turned into hip hop. But during that time, I was listening to uh. 
it, it was a, a variety of stuff. It was Tony Braxton, James Brown, uh, Babyface, Psycho Drama, Crucial Conflict. Ooh. Then I started getting into the big hip hops like the 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 Biggie and the Nazis and all that, but it was a long road to get to that. Like I was I was doing stuff way before that in a completely different direction. Like it's always been the writing for me. Like and then every it just transitioned into everything else. Yeah, I can I can tell it's like you're an actual writer, and you know I can tell you take pride in it because you know. Within the era that we are in now and the era that's been uh, going on for a while, it's like artists, you know, especially rappers, they had this thing where they they follow the same path as, you know, Jay-Z and Lil Wayne and others who, who claim to, like, they don't use pens and stuff like that. But, you know, I could tell that you take honor and pride of actually being a writer because not only your rhymes and your your patterns and your verses is dope, but your hook game is fucking impeccable, bro. Your hook game is off the hook, man. Your hook game is fucking hard, man. I'm just sitting there listening to like different songs of yours, and I was like, damn, man, how the hell he be crapping this shit? Like, and so I can see what, exactly where it comes from, man. You do take pride in being a writer. I appreciate you noticing, it, man. And the the uh, the choruses, the choruses and the hooks were the things that I worked on the most. Cause initially I used to I used to freestyle a lot. That was the the base of my style. So verses are very easy. Uh, hooks are something that I took time and put effort into over time to to make sure. Cause like they used to be too wordy. I used to uh I used to rap damn near the whole way through the song <laughs> the same way. So you couldn't pick out the hook. The hook was it was too much going on. I I, I started figuring out how to say the important parts without putting too much in there. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Now, uh, how did you uh, end up creating the name Jay Discreet? Uh, well, Jay Discreet initially came from, there was a, a spot down here. It's not open anymore. It used to be called At The Five. And the owners of it, and the guy was putting on the show, his name Craig Smex, Smex Harris. He wanted the pioneers from the Tunica area. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way the show went, they started it as like a freestyle show. Like, if you could come in and you can sign the list, if you go off, then they'll make you a winner and you get in free the next week. Oh, okay. So I was coming to do that, and it got to the point where I was so good, people was accusing me of writing. So they started reshaping the show. So they turned the show into, they had two hats. One hat had a bunch of instrumentals in it, and the other hat, it had a bunch of topics in it. So you would go to the stage, they would pull a topic, pull an instrumental, and whatever it was, you had to rap about it. Damn. But at the time, I didn't really have a place. So you know what I'm saying? Uh, I didn't have a place to stay for real. And I was place to place. And so they got used to me being there every week, and the DJ knew me. So people was wondering if I'd be late. Like, man, where Jay at? And they'd be like, yeah, he in the street. He's somewhere out here. So it was Jay Street. That was the name first. Okay. And, uh, I won so many times, the guy was like, you got to come in here with a set. You need to go find a way to record two songs, and we'll let you perform, but we not, uh, you can't be in the competition no more. You done consistently won too many times. So I went to record, and my homie was like, um, man, you got you to gotta, uh, you gotta protect your shit. You got to register your shit. Oh. And we, yeah, and we went to look up the name, J Street. And it was like a hundred streets. It was a T street. It was a wide street. You know what I'm saying? So 
he was like, we got to come up with something. And we started playing with the, the monikers. And we came up with discreet, as in a lot of folks don't know about me. But also, I was living in discreet. And also, country people say street. They don't say street. They say it with that, that slur. Mm -hmm. So we, we looked up discreet. And there wasn't a there wasn't a discreet. So that's the name that we uh we we went in and got the rights to under under my name. So that's how I became J Discreet. Oh man, that's I man, I ain't gonna lie, I just love that that story right there, man. Cause it let me know that you was on your bit, like you was had someone who put you on the business till pretty early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I, I had been I had done songs before that. But I had, they was all on other people's beats, and I was just mm -hmm. throwing them out there. So this was gonna be my first time recording my own song, and uh, the the guy that produced it was like, "Bro, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta at least register your name, man." Like, and so we went through the process. Like, yeah, man. man. Now, to any uh, younger artists out there who uh who feel like they want to embark on a musical journey, listen to this brother right here, man. Like registering your names and just making sure you have in your proper paperwork before you start release just up and releasing real music now i understand that you know we come from the mixtape era so you're just getting on somebody else's beat and throwing it out there you just you know shopping your skills but you know this i'm saying it's, it's all about business also so make sure you learn that business aspect and i think you can take time to uh, do your music you can take time to learn the business side of yeah, man, because you don't want to miss an opportunity. Like, I, I don't mind saying, like, around Walk the Line 2, uh, Walk the Line 2, it it was one of my most successful projects as far as actually putting CDs in people's hands. Mm -hmm. So uh, around that time, uh, well, around the time I was doing Walk the Line 3, I was talking to people, and I was finding out, like, how they was getting certain accolades. Like, as far as being on the charts and stuff. So, mm -hmm. had I known what I know now, when I was out here and moving around with Walk the Line 2, I would have charted. Like, because the number of copies I needed to chart, I was out here moving them. I just wasn't registering them so they could be counted. So, that was a learning experience for me. You know what I'm saying? So, anybody that watches and listens to this, like, you don't know when something's going to break for you. And you don't know what you might be missing once they break. You know what I'm saying? Like, you might have an album and you feel like you're selling a whole bunch of copies, but you ain't, ain't nobody can, can trace the numbers back to you. And you look up and you done sold 2,000 copies. Like, which would have put you in position to be recognized by actual, like, agencies to say you sold 2,000 copies. Because now if you go tell them, you can't prove it because you ain't got mm -hmm. nothing. Exactly. Now, yeah. When you chose to when you chose to go full fledged into the music, did you have like your people's full support, or you kind of had to do like a show and prove thing? Like, no, let, I'm gonna just go out here and show them that I'm I'm really serious about this. Well, I mean, it's, it's funny because I had to do show and prove for the area I, I come from mm -hmm. because I'm not making, and this ain't a shot at nobody. I'm not making what they are used to. I'm not making. Uh, I got eight bricks in the trunk music. You know what I'm saying? True, but true. everything in my music can trace back to me, though. So, like, I had to force people's attention. Like, I had to get in their face. Like, uh, when I first started trying to do shows in the, in the area I'm from, like, I did I did Lachette, I did Zedzilla, I did Don Tripp. When they would come to Mississippi, 
I would plug in with the people to try to get on them shows. Some of them shows, they would put me on stage when the lights was coming on for people to leave. So, like, I would have to get people attention from the stage. And that's how I started building my base, where it's like, the lights is on, people finna leave, but some of them turn around. Like, who the fuck is it? Like, what? Let me go back and see what he's saying. Like, and that was the beginning of my legacy. Like, I had to earn people's attention. As opposed to when I started coming to Memphis and doing open mics and stuff, it was automatic because people didn't know me. So all they had was the music and they couldn't help but pay attention. So it was easier in other towns. It's always harder in your hometown. That is true, man. When, you know, I know I, I can remember during those days, you know, being in Memphis because, you know, that's where I'm originally from, born and raised. I can remember okay. going to, uh, what was it called? Was it Memphis Music Commission showcases and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, every Monday. I remember being registered to them anytime they got like an event going on. They sending me an email or someone else letting me know they got an open showcase here. And I'm not even, you know, trying to perform in them. I'm just going to just be going to see what, you know what I'm saying, what's talented out there for us within the city. So I remember them days, man. Uh, now, talk about what were some of those memories you have when you was in the process of creating Walk the Line One? Like, what was them? The, what was those studio sessions like? Oh man! So, shout out to uh, Slim Pro Beats. He uh, mm -hmm. he executive produced all the Walk the Lines. So, um, me and Slim met in college, and uh, I got into some some issues at that college, and I had to leave. And he ended up leaving that next year, and we connected later on, like some years later when I was getting ready to make my first album and he was still producing and he was like, man, you still rapping. And we locked in. He was like, man, I'm gonna help you make an album. So the studio was his, his apartment and the, the creation process was so authentic because we didn't care what nobody else was doing. It, it was just what we wanted to talk about. Like, so we would sit in and he would come up with a baseline or he would come up with the drums and I would come up with a topic and he'll be like, well, you, you know how you want to come on it with your cadence. And I would spit a few bars freestyling. And he was like, man, OK, we're going to do something with that. And he'll, he'll build the beat. And while he be building the beat, I'll be laid back on the couch writing. And then by the time he got the, the base of the beat, like the, the first parts of it, mm -hmm. by then I would have at least a verse or a hook. And we did the whole album like that. It was like very authentic. It was very free flowing. Um, we didn't do no, man, we got to have a club joint. Man, we got to have a joint for the ladies. Mm -hmm. like we just wrote music, and then through that, we would end up with a club joint. We would end up with a joint that ladies would like. But it wasn't targeted. We just was making music, man. Like, uh, I think the first Walk the Line might have 18 tracks on it. I don't want to get it wrong. The fans going to destroy me if I get the track list wrong. But, <laughs> like, we, we recorded, like, almost 40 songs. And then, and then we went through them and we carved out what ended up being Walk the Line one. Like, yeah. so, and it was only supposed to be one Walk the Line. And we put it out and we pushed it and we moved around with it. And we looked up like a year later. And, you know, that was around the time where mixtapes was trended to go three or four mixtapes. You know, Yo Gotti did like nine cocaine musics. You know, uh, people was doing three or four gangster grills. Mm -hmm. So, People started tagging us in posts, like, what's up with Walk the Line 2? 
Like, what's up? What we gonna do? So we went and sat down. I was like, man, we might need to do a walk the line too. But it was only supposed to be one CD to start with. Like, see, yeah. you know, people were demanding it. Let you know, y'all did y'all job as producer and artist. Y'all came together because I actually had him in my notes on uh far as Slim Pro Beats. I'm uh, friends with him on Facebook, and yeah. I noticed that you know he's. He's all over then in every project you ever done. So I yeah. just wanted, wanted to ask, like, that chemistry between you two and you saying you guys meet in college, like, you guys are like a, you know, I would say like a Snoop and Dre and stuff like that. And people like that, man. Like, y'all match well. Like, you match well with other producers, but you guys' chemistry, when I listen to the stuff that y'all do, man, y'all y'all shit is unstoppable. Yeah, it's different when it's me and him. Like, we got a different, it's different when it's us. Like, yeah, I agree. Oh man! So you you guys do walk the line. You got so you got three versions of it. Uh, yeah. Talk about what's that damn J M code or damn J code? That's oh I'm man! Talking. So uh, damn J code was a Christmas gift to my fans. Uh, so throughout the year, like people do challenges and people throw out freestyles, and I'm pretty good about doing that too. But uh, behind the scenes, I get inboxed at least once or twice a week, somebody like, man, bro, you need to rap on this beat. And uh, usually I, I don't have time for it, so I keep those beats catalog and put to the side. And it just so happened that year, people was on a, a J. Cole kick. So people were sending me all these J. Cole productions like, bro, I bet you will go off on this. So I grouped a, a set of J. Cole instrumentals together, and I, play, I did a play on words like, damn, J. Cole. Like, because that's what I'll be saying when I open the beats. Like, damn, this is another J. Cole beat. It, they really want me to do another J. Cole And since it was coming out in the wintertime, I thought it'd be cool to, to, to give it as a Christmas gift. Like, damn, J. Cole. Like, as in cold temperatures, as in I'm going to snap on all these main beats or a whole album. And uh, technically, that was my first time executive producing a project, but I don't count it as an album. But, uh, I put that whole project together as far as the track list, the order of the songs, what I'm going to talk about. And it was really practice for what In Plain Sight is. Mm. Like, it was me trying trying to see how to navigate that. And it was a lot less expensive than In Plain Sight, too, because it was all, you know, industry boots, so I didn't have to pay for them. But, uh, yeah, I put uh, April the 3rd on Damn J. Cole. April the 3rd is my storytelling version of me being born and seeing mm. the world on the way in like so yeah i'm proud of that project man see, as i told you like to anyone is listening or watching this go check out this man's catalog man like you would i would not be disappointed i guarantee you man go check out this man's catalog um now as you're basically you're moving and grooving within the southern region with like in the memphis hip-hop scene and the mississippi hip-hop scene who are some of the people that you're getting to interact with and meet with uh that's like who's just like you on the grind and trying to come up who's some of those underground artists that you, you know say meeting on along the way well i mean along the way uh it started out with me meeting um so i met jacob trump when i met him he was crisis now yeah and he was my introduction to doa him and stephanie they was my introduction to, to doa but also i got to link in with jason the hater who is an icon and he's a mentor. He, he wouldn't admit it if you asked him because that's just how he rocked. But uh, 
the hater has been a real deal mentor to me. Like he put me on a lot of stuff that I needed to learn as far as an artist, as far as a performer. And then you got you got JT, uh and the whole IMC crew, you know what I'm saying? And then you got people like JDS who became JD Daltrey. Mm-hmm. And just people that I started to interact with, Paiu, uh, and these are people that I felt like it was dope to be in the room with them. Like, because when you feel like you're dope and you go in the room and you get ready to perform and you start linking with other people, like, okay, yeah, this, this kid dope too. Like, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And you start seeing people that got the work ethic like you got. And it turns into a beautiful relationship. Like Friday Black. Uh, Friday Black is my brother, man. Me and him met when I when I started rocking with the agency. One of the most dopest lyrical artists I ever met. But also, he do everything. Like, he produces, he makes graphic designs, yeah, he videos, like, and all of these things he learned how to do because he got frustrated waiting on other people. Like, he got frustrated paying for a video, and now it's a month later, and he ain't got it back yet. So he's like, I'm just going to learn how to shoot videos. Like, and he did. Like, so that's amazing. So that spirit transferred over to me from working with him. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if I can figure out how to do something myself and, and do it to the right quality, I'm going to do it myself. Like, Exactly. That. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. And I feel like, you know, that adds value to your brand. Yes. Yeah, man, I I definitely feel it. Now, have you ever been in a situation where someone tried to, like, I guess, you know, present you with a situation or try to sign you? Uh, Actually, I have. uh, It's actually been a couple times. The most notable one I can talk about now, I couldn't talk about at the time, but a cat named Rico Philly, he reached out to me and and Slim right before we put out Walk the Line 2. And we was young in the business game, but just the the lack of control that we would have made it a no for us. Because it was like, we still would have controlled the music, but we wouldn't have controlled the release schedule. We wouldn't have controlled, like, they could have told us however long they wanted us to wait to put out an album, we would have had to wait. That would have been one of the restrictions of the contract. Like, so... And I just wasn't used to that, man. I like I like putting out music when I want to put when I feel like it's a it's a space for me to get something out. That's when I do it, and I didn't want to be restricted like that. But uh, and there's other people that have reached out to me over time. Uh, I'm actually in negotiation with somebody right now, and I, I legally can't say who they are. But understand if, if it works out, you would definitely be one of the first people I call with the details. Uh, but yeah, it's. It's uh it's it's more so it's not it's not a record deal, it's more so of a a production deal for basically a show. So it's some it's a show that exists that I'm working on trying to get partnered in with. Oh man, well you know anytime like you know you got a platform right here, man. If you wanna promote, let you know, making any announcements or anything like that, man, man, my platform is all yours, man. Yeah, man. But I also learned through those conversations about like the deals and the contracts, I learned a lot about like what I need to do on my end because some of the things they were offering I definitely need, but it's not things that I can't do myself. It's just gonna take a little more work to do it. You know what I'm saying? But I also learned that the average label, 
by the time a label reaches out to you, you need to look at what you're doing because you might not need them. That's true. Because they don't reach out until they know for sure they feel like they can do something with you. So that means that you might not even need them. You might need to take a closer look at what you're doing and see if you can capitalize off of it. That is true. That is true. I definitely agree with you on that, man. Now, uh, as far as today's climate within the rap industry, man, like from your perspective, like how do you look at it? Like, what? How do you feel about it? Um. Well, I mean, I guess with today's climate, I try not to to look at it too deep at all. I try to uh, I try to just look at what's moving for me. But I do notice a lot of. Uh, hip hop has changed a lot. Well, rap has changed a lot in the, in the sense of there's so much coming out all the time. That's true. Like a lot of it does sound alike, but also the attention spans are not as long. So, like my album that's out now, I feel like the whole album is dope. But I have to come to terms with the way people digest music now. People might listen to the whole album twice and say it's dope. And then they're going to pick them two songs out of there that they really like. And that's what they're going to keep listening to. Because somebody else album coming out next week. And somebody else album coming out a day after that. So it's a lot of music to hold on to. So they're going to hold on to what they really, really like. So my, my goal is to, well, what I'm seeing is you got to capitalize on what people feeling and pay attention to what people feeling. Like, mm-hmm. Especially when you putting out music, pay attention to what people singing to you. Pay attention to the songs that people bring up to you when they talk to you. Like, man, you're doing so and so, so and so. Like, I I'd have heard about mixed signals like twenty times. I'd have heard about these <laughs> instrumentals like twenty times. So I know those songs have a fan base. So I might do a video for a different song to bring attention to a different song because I know them doing well. I might want somebody to listen to this one though. So I'm gonna do a video for this one. Like I think the game now is using the information. Cause everything direct to consumer now. Yeah, like, true. Yeah, I can put my CD out, which I did. My CD was set to come out on New Year's Eve. Like I saw that people was really asking for it. So I personally made a decision to let it come out on Christmas. Like we can do that now. The power is in the artist's hand now. You don't have to ask nobody, can I put my album out? No, hit the button and put your album out. If that's what you want to do. Like that's what I show notice too, because I'm like, I've seen the first, I mean the very first on one date, and then you know, I'm like, damn, it's available now. I'm like, oh shit. Like, okay. okay. And you know that that's that's a great feeling too because you bet you're controlling your own destiny, man. You're controlling everything, man. So that's one thing, you know. I may, you know, say something here and there far as within the what's going on within the industry, man. But one thing that I can say that it's a great thing that we have a lot more artists that is in more control of what they got going on, man. They're not a part of this puppet show. And no, they can they can call their own shots. You pretty much don't even need no one else to do it for you, man. It's all about how you control it and how you do it. Definitely, definitely. Are you a uh, are you a Conway fan? Conway the Machine. Yes, I am. So, if you peep game, this is something I noticed earlier in the year. Conway put an album out under the label, right? Mm-hmm. Two months later, Conway put an album out on Bandcamp. Yep, he did. Like, so the thing is, that label album, he was 
he was obligated to do that. It was a great album too. But that Bandcamp album, that was his money. Like that was all him. That was all him. That's an example of somebody who is smart enough to use the system. It's like, yeah, I can use this platform to put an album out and this label gotta push it. But also, me personally, I got twenty thousand fans. So I can I can clear my own album and put it out on Bandcamp and sell twenty thousand copies and not have to pay the label for that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That come so, yeah, it's all about paying attention to the business now and using everything to your advantage. Like, really? Like man. Now within the uh underground scene and we're just in the game period, man, for you. How important it is to like maintain like relationships. Um, I think relationships are extremely important because relationships, relationships get you in rooms that your talent or money can't get you into. Like, there's some there's some people that can't talk to me unless they know somebody that I know. That will let me know, like they cool. You can talk to them. Cause as an artist, I, I got a personal life too. So mm -hmm. you know, as an artist, I'm looking to network. But as a man, it's a lot of parts that I want to keep sacred and safe. So some people, I'm I'm just not gonna deal with. Like so, keeping relationships intact is very important because you never know who is in a room that you need to be in. You know, and you never know when you're in a room and you can bring somebody in. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I, I make it a point to be real transparent and do good business with people because your name gonna hold a lot of weight. Like, like I said, there's people out here that, depending on how they feel about me, I can't buy a feature from them. It don't matter how much money I get because the relationship ain't there. They don't care that I want to pay them for the feature. It's like, yeah, but I don't rock with you like that. So, you know, relation that, that's important. You know what I'm saying? Oh man. Now, uh, before we get into the EP, uh, I have one more question, man. One thing I noticed that, you know, like I said, I have been following you for a while and you have a very solid fan base. And yeah. not only they buy your merch, they buy your product as far as your music. You got people like before this pandemic hit, you really had people coming out the shows to see you perform, man. Like you really yeah. got the fan base. Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, man, so I feel like you know that's that's a blessing in itself, like that you really got people who really rock with you to come out and see you perform. And like they want you to perform one of their favorite songs, one of the songs that they hold near and dear to them. That's your yeah. it's your song, man. Yes. And that's a beautiful thing. Like, shout out to my fans. Shout out to my uh my street walkers. That's uh that's the name I came up with for my fans. I uh it, it was hilarious at first because what people associate street walkers with. But you know, <laughs> my name is Street and I may walk the line. So I felt like my fans could be my street walkers. Like and uh they show me a lot of love and they hold me to a standard too. Cause like they not just fans, they are they honest fans. So if they don't like something, they're going to say they don't like it. Like, you know what I'm saying? But when they like something, they coming. They coming through. And they're going to at least buy it to see if they like it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I just, I've been blessed to be consistent so they still keep liking stuff. Like, 
Man, my, hey, you got the stuff that people want to hear. Like, you got dope shit that people love, and that's relatable. So that's why you know I'm I'm a very solid supporter. So, like, I'm just man, no problem, man. It's just I'm glad to have this sit down with you, man. So, now, what was the whole thought process uh, behind when you started to go in and create in plain sight? Well, uh, the process was the idea of more and more people were starting to find me. They were starting to find my music. They were starting to interact with me and my fan base was growing. And again, I, I said, I like to pay attention to the why of things. And so I started like looking around and seeing what was popping and seeing what people was listening to. Mm-hmm. And lyrics was making a comeback. Like, you know, some people say lyrics never left, but on the mainstream, on a big level in the past two years, Lyrics have been making a comeback and more and more people have been finding me. But, you know, I've been putting out dope lyrical content the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I was right there the whole time and you just didn't see me. So the idea was I've been in plain sight this whole time. So the album was going to reflect it. And also the idea for the name of the album came before all of the, the, the bullshit that happened this year. So in plain sight also ties into the year 2020 because 2020 is plain vision, which is in plain sight. You know, if you go to the doctor, you got 2020 vision, you good. So mm-hmm. I thought it was gonna be a cool little play on words in plain sight, you know, 2020. You know, uh, a lot of people don't want to associate nothing with 2020 now, but <laughs> I, think, I think the album is a shining light, though. It's something that people can hold on to and say, well, at least Jay put out this dope album in 2020. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Exactly, man. That's why, you know, I agree with you on it. It's just like it's other uh, artists who I, I would say that too, that, you know, I know 2020 has been a rough. We lost a lot of people, but at least so-and-so dropped this album to like keep us afloat far spiritually and musically. And, you yeah. know, definitely your projects have done that. And this one has done it. Like I said, I'm at work working a double shift. And I'm just listening, and especially when I heard uh, what's it, on versus on. I, I had to replay yeah. that a couple of times. I really had to replay that a couple of times. Shout out to Red on the beat. Uh, Shout out to Red on the beat, man. He did a uh, dope job, but man, I had to replay that before I got to the rest of the album. I was like, man, I fucking love this shit. Like, I got to the intro, and then I li- I listened to that three times the intro, and then when I got to on versus on, I was like, man, this like this is. Some shit that's really speaking the message, man. I really like him. Yeah, that's love, man. And Red on the Beat was one of my uh he was one of my bucket list producers. Like uh I've been a fan of Red on the Beat. I met him at Let's Get Loud. Shout out to Kingpin and the Steak Sauce crew. You know, they was doing Let's Get Loud, the beat battle. And um that's why I met Red on the Beat. But I've been a fan of his because I'm a Don Trip fan too. Me too. And he done, he done made some classics for Don Trip. So like that's one of the names on my list. Red on the Beat was one of the names. Don Tripp is a name on my list. I got a list of people that I like to work with eventually. And I actually ended up getting two joints from Red on the Beat. One made the album, and I got one in the stash that I'm going to pull out later on. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, man. That's, uh, that's one of my favorites on the project. Yeah, I, like, I, like this is a great song, but I love what you're speaking about as far as on it, man. Like, I really love that message that you're speaking about it. Like, I really love that shit, man. Uh, MCs versus instrumentals. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talk about that, man. Talk about that. So, uh, 
Shout out to Jay Nichols. Jay Nichols produced that one. And um, MCs versus instrumentals, the, the deeper meaning on that one was actually that um, we're in the age where a lot of quote-unquote hip-hop fans are way more into the beats than the raps. Like, in uh, I was uh, I was at a gas station. You know, the gas station, you got to be six feet away now. So mm -hmm. it's kind of packed in there. And I'm listening to these cats have this hip-hop conversation. And they talking about Nas. And one of them was like, man, I rock with Nas, but sometimes he just be, he be doing too much, man. I want to hear the beat, man. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> and that was, the, that was the inspiration for it. I was like, um, in the court of hip-hop, that was the thought process. Which I'm going to give away a little bit, too. Like, uh, I didn't do the skit. I planned on doing the skit. But I put I ended up putting the song so early in the album I didn't want to do a skit before it, but I was gonna do like a a Law and Order voice, like uh -huh. in the court, in the court of hip hop, MCs versus instrumentals, in the case of and it was gonna be like that because that's how I feel. I feel like I I wanted people to listen to me and my feature on this song. The beat is dope, but yes. But people not gonna miss us. We didn't get lost in the beat. We we was we was there. You got you gotta listen to us. Like because what we saying gonna make you listen. Oh man. Now uh before I get into the other songs, did you really like was were you really debating about just putting the actual intro on it? Like I was playing mixed yeah. up, playing cycle. Would you really debate like this you really need an intro? Yes, I was. Uh so the the, the album was gonna open. With on versus on, that was gonna be the first song you heard. Mm -hmm. uh, the intro is the last song I recorded for the album. It's the last one I recorded. Like, um, I was talking to uh, Rowdy Productions, and we just was talking about music because I was supposed to be doing some stuff with him anyway. And I made a post, and I was like, "How important is the intro to you?" And people discussed it under the post in the comments. And mm -hmm. when I talked. Yeah, yeah, and I talked to Rowdy, and Rowdy was like, bro, I sent you something, and we can see if, if you want to work it out, and he sent it to me, and I started writing, and, uh, like, by the time I got, like, 20 bars in, I was like, yeah, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, and I sent, <laughs> I sent them what I had back, and he was like, yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to send you the stems, so he sent me the whole, the stems and everything, so we can get it mixed right, and then I went in and, and did the whole intro, and that was the last song I recorded for the album. Oh man! Uh, now one of them uh, you mentioned earlier, and I feel like it's a, a it's another favorite. Um, was it mixed signals? Talk about yeah, yeah, I've been getting a lot of love on mixed signals because people relate to mixed signals. So mixed signals is my critique on the social media age. Like we're in the age now where you can end up in a whole relationship with somebody before you hear their voice. Like you can, you can like a girl with a girl might send you like underwear pictures, and you ain't never talked to her on the phone because that's where we at now. People, uh, they talk in in DMs and text messages, and a lot of people don't interact. They don't go on dates. So I felt like let me make a a song from that point of view of I talk to you every day, all day. You tell me how much you like me. You call me handsome. But you won't pick up the phone. How do I even know if you're a real person? Like, Is you know. So I wanted to, I wanted to make the song to, to talk about the age that we in. And so many people go through that. That's why they love the song. Like, 
it's so many women that it's like, like niggas, niggas don't call no more. I don't get to talk to nobody on the phone no more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That used to be a real like important part of getting to know somebody. Yeah, we kept like cutting it out. Yeah, man. I mean, everything has its pros and cons, but yeah, technology has really done that, and I completely understand the song. So yeah. I, you, you really like see that's what I'm talking about, man. Like the the stuff that you speak about within your music, you really it's relatable as hell, man. That's why I feel like people gravitate tight towards what you're doing, man. As far as anything that you release, like, it's very relatable, and that's why I feel like you get so much love, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll talk about uh, one of my other favorites, Wannabe. Wannabe. Oh man, so uh, Wannabe. Uh, true story. You may not believe it, but I uh, <laughs> right hand to God. I swear this is the truth. So, uh, you know, I work nights and I usually sleep during the day. I was asleep and I had a dream. I was at a concert and I it was a ludicrous concert. And I went backstage after the concert and I got to hang out with Luda. And he was like, yeah, I've been checking you out, man. Uh, I got something you should do, though. So in the dream, Luda rapped wannabes to me. Wow. And when I woke up, as soon as I woke up, I was trying to write it. All I could remember was the hook. And then I ended up writing the verse later. But I didn't want to lose the hook. So if you go back, after after we done, and you go back, and kind of in your mind, try to put it in a ludicrous voice, it's going to make perfect sense. It sounds like a wannabe. Whole lot of them, only one of me. Like <laughs> Now that you said it, it's true. Damn. Like, and so I reached out to uh Tim, which is a uh, Fat Daddy Dope, Timothy Moore. Me and him do a lot of stuff together. We've been on a lot of li uh, live shows, and congratulations to him. He got married this year. That's my home. Uh, but yeah, so he sent me the beat, and I kind of had another version of the dream. I went to sleep with my earbuds in, listening to a playlist of beats. And it's kind of like the song was just fitting the beat. So I kind of tapered it to the beat. And then I wrote it out because it's got that Memphis sound. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was missing something. And I sent it to Friday Black. And he tweaked it. He added a lot of parts to it. So that's a co-production with Fat Daddy Dope and Friday Black. They produced it mm -hmm. together. And it just got that sound. Like how I, wanted, how I wanted to come on in the club. I can't wait to perform it. I can't wait to perform it. Like um, can't wait to watch Man, but it's one of them joints that's just fun, and I, it's one of them that I get to talk my shit on. I don't, I don't talk my shit a lot, so when I do, I got to make sure it's dope and I have fun doing it. Like, man, with this in plain, uh, in plain sight project, man, what what what, uh, what would you like people to take away from it after they they go through their musical journey of listening to it? What you want people to take away from it? There's a couple things. Uh, the main thing I want them to take away from it is how much of me it is. That's the main thing because, again, like I've done a lot of projects and they all been me, but when I collab with people, I don't I don't bring an ego in the room. So when I collab with producers, it's a real collab. Like, even if I feel like something needs to be done a certain way, if I talk to that producer and he feel like maybe it should be done a, somewhat, a different way, I'm going to meet in the middle with them. Because I feel like that's what collabs is supposed to be. This mm -hmm. album, there was no compromise. Everything on this album is exactly what I wanted it to be. 
So as far as my fans, I want them to know that this is a Jada Street album. Like not taking away from none of the other albums, but this one is completely the topics I wanted to talk about in the order I wanted you to hear it. It's a journey. I want that's why it comes on the way it comes on. The intro was just for my fans. It's fun. But it comes on with on versus on, which is a message about where I'm at. Then it comes on with MC versus instrumental, which is my take on what's going on with MC. And then you go to mixed signal, which is my take on the current social media state. So everything is really what I've seen, and I'm giving it right back to the people that listen to me. Like, and the second thing I want them to take away from it is whatever they need. Like, uh, I got sweet talking success. Mm-hmm. That's the story of me continuously putting in this work and seeing success choose people over me. Like, if success was a woman, I'm the perfect candidate for her, and I got to watch her pick the dude that's just going to uh, drive all the gas out of the car. Like, and it's, it's, it's frustrating, but I didn't give up. And I want people to be able to take that and be like, I feel what you're saying. What, and it don't got to be rep. It can be a job. It can be like, damn, I've been working hard here for this promotion, and they just overlooking me. I'm going to go talk to them. Like, hey, listen, I do this, this, and this, and this. So if you don't want to move me up, let me know. I go somewhere else. Like, mm-hmm. I hope I hope people take whatever motivation they need from this app, like, to do whatever they need to do. Because I'm vulnerable. I'm telling them exactly how I feel on this app. And that's, uh, that's what I love about it, man. Like, that's what, exactly what I love about it. And what you have in the catalog that you have, man, what keeps you going, man? What keeps you driven? That like, cause you could have easily like, you know what? I didn't put out enough shit. Like, I didn't release classic albums. I didn't even my Lucy's. Like, my yeah. shit is just dope as hell, man. Like, I can just, I can probably just fall back and focus on something else, man. What keeps you going musically? Uh, so if I had to say what keeps me going musically, I'll give you three things. All right. Uh, one is I keep getting better. So since I keep getting better, I feel like it'll be unfair for me to stop because I, I, I got a new level to show people every time. That's the, the, the first thing. Uh, the second thing that keeps me going is the fact that people are still asking for me. So like uh, it, it'll be different if people wasn't still asking, man, can I get something new? When the next album? What's when the next? So there's actually a demand for me. So that's the first two. The one is I keep getting better. The second is people still asking for it. The third is what else I'm going to do? Like if I stop doing music today, I still got a family to take care of. I still got to go to work every day. Nothing changes if I stop doing music. Mm-hmm. But something might change if I keep doing music. You know what I'm saying? Like, why and why give up on something that I enjoy doing? You know what I'm saying? The music pays for itself. This album is going to pay for the next album. Yes, it is, man. Yes, it is, man. Oh my God, this has been a this has been some dope shit. Like I, I'm just I, that's why I, you know once I just ask you the question, I just sit back and enjoying your response, man. Because you know I'm not I'm a fan of you, but I'm a fan of I admire the man. Like far as beyond the artist, like I I I admire the man that you are, and I'm just glad that you know you was able to tap in with me. You know, what I'm saying be on my platform and 
me be able to, you know, give a helping hand and, you know, put the awareness out there that you are an incredible artist. Uh, your songwriting skills is off the chain. And I just feel like a lot of people really need to, you know, be up on what you got going on because it's very important that you are a very dope artist. And, you know, people need to wake up. It's time for people to wake up, man. I agree. They do. We got, we got, we're going to wake them up, though. Like, they're going to see us eventually. Like, that's the whole goal of putting out in plain sight. I'm trying to get a few more people to see me. Like, now, uh, do we, uh, now, with in plain sight doing what it's doing right now, and I know that, you know, you're going to get a lot more, gain a lot more listeners from this. Is there anything else you got planned with uh, 2021 coming up? Yeah, actually, I do. I got a couple things on ice. Uh, I have a project that is completely produced by Friday Black. Oh shit! And, and it's uh, I don't I don't want to piss nobody off. It's every bit as dope as in plain sight. And by the time we finish it, it's probably gonna be doper. I know that's kind of it's, it's hard to say because in plain sight so new and it just came out. But you know, it's a it's a work in progress. It's something that me and him discussed we needed to do. Because we hadn't done it, like it, not with him being a producer, you know. Me and him got an album out together called Mud Brother. Okay. Very level. But I, I've never done a whole production with him producing. So that's coming next year, and uh, we doing a uh, Now You See Me concert next year. So the concert tied into In Plain Sight is Now You See Me, you know, and that's all. It's gonna be a full concert. I already, I already talked to my DJ and sound guy. We already got everything worked out except for a date because we got to wait and see what's going to go on with the numbers and how we can do it. So it may be mostly virtual or it may be a selective season. It may be a small concert, but we're definitely going to do a concert early next year. Oh, man. Well, man, we can't wait for that. We definitely can't wait for that, man. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you all have not had the chance to go check out this man's new project in plain sight, uh, please go check it out. Uh, you go to his page. Uh, he has links on his Instagram. Uh, he has links on his Facebook. Like wherever you all can, uh, however y'all can get it. Or if you can get to his band camp and make the purchase, make yes. the purchase because it is worth it. Purchase this album and you will not be disappointed, man. If you're a real music head and you like something enjoyable inside your eardrums, and this is then, then this is something that you need. This is something that you need. Yeah. Also, uh, even if you're not, if, and I like to tell people this, even if you're not ready to purchase right now, you're new to me, you can still go to the Bandcamp and listen to the album. You can stream it on Bandcamp. And uh, it'll be available for streaming everywhere on New Year's Eve. So, yeah, it'll be out everywhere. And I'm out everywhere right now. Even if you you want to go listen to some of the older stuff, anywhere you listen to music at, I'm there. Yes, you are, man. Man, give the people your social media handle so, therefore, they can know how to get in contact with you. Oh, most definitely. So, uh, I'm really easy to find. Any site you go on, type in J Discreet. That's J-A-Y-D-A-S-K-R-E-E-T. Discreet is all one word. If you put a space in it, you won't find me. Uh, a lot of people do that. So, J-A-Y-D-A-S-K-R-E-E-T. And that's anywhere you search for me, uh, except Twitter. Twitter, I'm at Indiscreets. The letter N, Discreets. Same way you spell my name. Like, E. 
All right. Man, is, uh, any last words before we get out of here, man? Oh, man. Uh, I guess last words, I want to I wanna really say I really appreciate you sitting down and chopping it up with me. Uh, it's always a pleasure for me to talk about my craft with somebody that wants to hear about it, you know. And uh, anybody out there that's doing what I do or doing anything that requires you to have a little fortitude, make sure that you're not afraid to go hard for whatever it is you're trying to do, man. Like, and focus on the people that's listening. That's that's what, that's something I want to say in closing. Focus on the people that rock with what you do. Uh, you should never have to make a post about who didn't support or who didn't come to see you because they probably not watching anyway. So it ain't no point in you even bringing them up. Like if you got 10 people rocking with you, focus on them 10 people and them 10 people will, will bring 20. Like, you know what I'm saying? Focus on the people that focus on you. Now, I got one last final question before we got here. Okay. When I started this platform, my main goal was to make sure my stuff was built off integrity. And when people think of me, it was like, no, that dude, JJ Moss, like, oh, he had that podcast, that platform, the Moss Network. Like, oh, man. Anything he put out, man, it was it was it represented us as far as, as the as black people or just representing the black culture. Like I don't want to bring no shame to what you know what our people have have, have done for us. And I want to make sure that I want to be remembered as someone who really put on for the black culture, with if it's a hip hop or if it's an entertainment. Like I don't want to be associated with no like on no buffoonery type stuff. So yeah. I want to how does Jay Discreet would like to be remembered? Oh man, so I would like to be remembered pretty much in the same light. I would like to be remembered as somebody that was genuine and somebody who stood behind any and everything they decided to do. Like, I don't got nothing that I put out that I'm ashamed of. I don't got nothing that I put out that my mama and grandma can't listen to. Because I don't say it if I, if it ain't me. So I want that to be my legacy. When people remember me, I want them to remember that I was genuine. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't going to give up. And I was a stand-up dude. Like, that's, that's, if them by three, I'm good. People remember me like that, I'm good. Oh, man, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you for taking your time out so we can do this, man. I highly appreciate it, man. I really enjoyed this. And that's that's just being real. Uh, anytime you need a platform to promote anything, man, you already know to hit me up. Uh, I'm always open. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. Uh, most dev, I want to appreciate. I want to tell you I appreciate you letting me come through, and uh, let you know that the door swings both ways. If there's anything that I'm doing or that you would like me to put my hands on or at least speak on when it comes to you and the podcast, it's just as simple as what you just said to me. Let me know what you need from me, and we're gonna make it happen. Bad man, bad man. Uh, I'm JJ Moss. This is my brother Jay Discreet, and we are out of here. <laughs>